welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business, and on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Why don't we just hop into it to kind of start things off? I know you've, you've, uh, you're kind of a new, you're newer with us, right? How long have you been following? Yes. Um, I've only been following group home riches for a few months, like very, maybe probably, I think I, I embarked on your, um, your website, maybe around the summertime, probably. Okay. Very cool. And I noticed uh reason I reached out to you, I know you're, you're a member of the private Facebook group and you had response. Yes. You, you are one of the folks that do have a group home open. So, yes. um, and you, you're actually, it seems like you're, you're almost a, a vet. <laughs> you, you've been doing it for quite a while, right? Well, I actually started it over 17 years ago. So I've uh-huh. been doing it for a minute and then I stopped to do research in some um, financial areas because I'm a grant writer also. And so once I did that and kind of got some other things in place, I decided to reopen up in the state of Delaware because originally I was in North Carolina. Okay. Very cool. So you are, so you're, you have a couple other almost related, uh, businesses or you know you've worked in 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 related fields so you you're have done grant writing and you also do case management as well correct yes absolutely awesome so (laughs) i probably i have a ton of questions for you that our listeners probably do as well because this is kind of the areas we 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 kind of keep it simple you probably noticed with our business model it's pretty pretty simple um yes to where, you know, it's, it's great for beginners, but some of the higher level stuff, like uh, getting a grant and things like that is stuff that we don't even do ourselves. So we, we don't, right. Right. But a lot of people are, are very interested in, in, in that. So uh, we definitely dive into that. Um, but right. Cause I, I actually go from, and I teach others how to open up their own too. So when I embarked on your website, that was like, oh my God, like somebody else is doing this too. I've never seen anybody else doing this. But I go from two different angles. I go from the for-profit side as well as the non-profit side. Very so I kind of handle two, two views there. So how, how is, and you, you said you started 17 years ago. You currently have one group home, correct? I have two. I have two group homes open in okay. the state of Delaware. Yes. And how is it, how is that structured? Can you can you tell us that a little is, about like what, what is, group homes they are, where you get tenants, and all that? Yes. Well, first off, there. Um, what I've done is I have contracted my for profit with my nonprofit, mm-hmm. and so therefore, where I get my tenants in this particular. Um, population, I get my tenants through my for-profit, but my non-profit provides the housing. Okay. Okay. And so therefore my, right now I am, I target the youth aging out of the foster care system. 
And so I'm contracted with the state of Delaware to do that. Okay. So you get, uh, so it's, is it a, is it a licensed facility? It's not licensed. No, sir. Okay. So there's a huge, a huge need for that. It's kind of, you can kind of tell what it is by the name, but just for our listeners out there that, that don't know, do you mind kind of diving into the, to the uh, population that you serve? Uh, it's the youth, um, pretty much the youth. And I deal strictly with the females right now. So they're anywhere between the ages of 18 and 21. Cause after 21, they're no longer, um, technically connected to the state, so to speak, but between the ages of 18 and 21, when they're transitioning, um, that's where I get the calls from either their case management, um, caseworkers, DFS caseworkers, or um, other IL, which is which means independent living providers. And so these are young adults that have been in a foster care system. It can be from birth to up to 18, or they could have came into the foster care system a year prior to the 18. But once they turn 18, typically they age out. But from 18 to 21, there's still a connection there with the state to provide some type of life skill case management for them. So many, many of them have, they've grown up in the, in the foster program. Yes. They, they turn in 18 is when they can no longer be housed in the foster, uh, the foster program, correct? Correct. Correct. And then many, many of these kids, you know, they're adults, but kids in my eyes. <laughs> they're, yes, they're mine probably, too. Young, exactly. Probably, uh, unemployed or underemployed. And I forget the exact percentage, but if it wasn't for like the housing that you provide and what you do, uh, where do a large percentage of those folks end up? Large percent either end up homeless. Yeah. Trafficked on drugs. Some of them may be um, what we call a couch surfing, meaning they're sleeping on family or friends' uh, couches. Um, they, they can end up in numerous places. And my goal is to keep that from happening. So and I, I'm just kind of painting the picture for our listeners out there to kind of show, show where, what the problem is, where, what the demand is, and then... Um, Obviously, you can you can make good money doing this, but it's it's not about that. You're you're absolutely. I mean, think of think of what what would happen to these kids if it weren't for people like Vanessa. So uh, that's kind of the point I'm getting at. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I I don't remember the numbers offhand, but do you know do you know what the percentage of, of kids uh, that do end up homeless are? Oh my God! Oh, you would ask me statistics right now. I uh, haven't. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty high. It's high. It's extremely high. Um, especially in the homeless arena part. It's. Um, it. It really saddens my heart because there's not a lot of people that are aware that this is actually going on. Um, but it's extremely high. The homeless rate, I mean, not just even in the state of Delaware, but in any state, it's extremely high. Any state that carries a foster care system, that that's high. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, 
I remember, I mean, when, when I was that age, shoot, if, you know, if I didn't have my family to, to, uh, back me up, I would have, I would have been in the same boat. <laughs> so, wow. uh, and I want to, I want to think I'd have to dig up the article. Don't quote me on this, <laughs> but I think it was somewhere around like, I want to say it was like 40% or half or somewhere, somewhere around there end up in, uh, either homeless. Well, they end up homeless. So there's a huge need for this type of housing. Um, Yes. It's about 400,000 youth that are actually currently in the foster care system and about 20,000 of them kind of age out without that family support. So you could kind of imagine how many of them are homeless. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's a uh, it can be fin- financially rewarding, but it's probably spiritually rewarding for you as well. So exactly. That, help these kids out. That's one hundred percent right there. You hit the, the the head of the nail right there. Exactly. <laughs> and is that kind of what what got you into this business in the first place? Oh, that's an unusual story. So we're talking way back in the early 2000s, um, me and my children, minding our own business, um, went to just kind of go window shopping at a strip mall in, in North, somewhere in North Carolina. And as we were going back to our vehicle, this lady out of the blue comes, walks up to me and asks me if I can take care of her child while she goes to prison. Oh, wow. That's how it started. And I'm like, can I do what? And she asked, can you take care of my child while I go to prison? I'm like, but I don't know you. You don't know me. And she was just saying it was something about you. Now, sidebar, I am a woman of prayer. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, and I, I walk with that daily. And so I sat there and I talked with this woman for a couple of hours and then I went home. I discussed it with my husband then. And that's what led us to become foster parents, which led us down this road of being able to take care of her daughter. Oh, wow. So that's <laughs> how it started. And so once I got into it from that aspect, I began to notice a lot of what was going on with our youth. My eyes was totally open to the youth in the foster care system because I saw individuals that was in it just for the money. Yep. I saw youth uh, becoming homeless after 18. And I'm like, oh my God, this, the, the, the eye-opening part was amazing, but the results of what I seen was horrific. And so that's what pushed me into this is going to be a turnaround for me when I started helping youth. And so in that instant, uh, God made me aware that he was giving me a program, an outline to to design and develop, to be able to teach life skills and give case management to the youth aging out. That's awesome. What a story. <laughs> yes, I get these. Everybody always widens their eyes and be in like, oh, and I'm like, I get that look every time I tell this story. And I kid you not, this story, it, I mean, it has opened. People begin to see my passion of why I do what I do, why I go so hard at what I do. Because once 
a lot of the youth saw what I was doing for one, it began to have an effect on the others. So I started having youth show up at my house Mm -hmm. (laughs) without me even having to say or do anything, so to speak. They would just show up and I would just take them in. There was never a no. There was always, come on, let me love on you. Let me get you to where you need to be so that I know that you will be successful in life. So once, once kind of the word, the word got out that, you know, you were, you're obviously a, a very good person and in it for the right reasons, which you kind of, you kind of touched upon a lot of people just in, in, uh, you know, group homes, foster mm-hmm. parents, they, they are in it, you know, strictly to kind of make money. Um, right. you know, there's night, nightmare stories out there. I don't want to oh, get yes. it much. <laughs> we'll focus yes. on on the good side of it. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) But once, uh, you know, once, once the word word got out and you started networking, it, it, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't very hard for you to find tenants, correct? No, it wasn't hard at all. And believe it or not in that stage, because I was just starting, I didn't charge anything. I just wanted to pour into these young adults. Okay. That's all I did was pour into them. As I did that for, I'm not even going to say, because that, that part of me never closed. I, I had always done it. Even when I stopped bringing them into my home, I would mentor them from where they were. I would give them the insights from where they were. I would teach them from where they were. And so from that, I'm just, it, it, it just became something bigger. It became something where, there is something in this that nobody else is seeing and I'm going to grab a hold of it right now. And that's what I did. Nice. What a great story. <laughs> so this is why, this is why we, we do what we do. Cause we, you know, obviously there's a huge need for this type of housing and the services yes. they provide. But within that, there's a huge need for people like you that are in it for the right reasons. So, absolutely. Um, and the majority of the people that I talk to, I would say about 90% are uh, very, you know, very new to this. They found us just by searching, you know, probably, I don't even know how you found us, but typically it's someone that hops on Google and types in like how to start a group home or something like that. <laughs> and they have, uh, they had kind of that same desire to serve people. Most of our members are, <coughs> excuse me, they, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they got into nursing for that or they work at group homes or things like that. But then, uh, so they, you know, there's that, that character does great in this business. But then we kind of show them, you know, the, like the business side of things too, because it can be very, both spiritually and financially rewarding. And if it's, kind of run like a business and scaled up, it can be, uh, you know, people can create like the lifestyle that they want too. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely right. And so, um, but do I want to, you know, just you're a perfect, a walking example of it, of it. You got, it starts, you have to start with the right, for the right reasons. Um, right. You have to have the right motive to start because, as you said, you can get in it for the wrong reasons and you can become overwhelmed and then shut down. Yeah. You have to understand that the population that you tend to deal with, they have different 
issues going on. They dealing with traumatic experiences and you have to know how to deal with that. If you don't, you'll be ready to close down the very moment that you started. Um, It was amazing because I found you on Google. I was actually trying, I was actually Googling um, competition. In other words, I was trying to see who else is teaching what I wanted to teach. And you guys popped up. You were the only ones really that popped up. And I was like, interesting. So in over my in in over my 17 years of doing this, I got I got over 17 years worth of documents. But you had things that I didn't have documented. You had documented, but I was already doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we we have things in there. Uh, it is focused kind of uh, for for beginners, just because that's the majority of people, right? Uh, uh, if you dive into the material more, I mean, we we have stuff for really every part of the process. So even someone like yourself, like if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to scale and, and take it bigger, get like a capital for for your business to do that, we have a right. business plan in there that you can. I mean. Technically, you could copy and paste it, but you could at least like uh, use that as a guide. Um, so that's, I mean, that's something, uh, an example for, for everybody out there. But again, most, most of the folks are just beginning. So that's kind of what we focus on. Um, right. Awesome. So I know that people out there, if, if they did want to get uh, to target this niche, what would you suggest? Like, what's the very first step? Let's say they have a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they want to, uh, they want to serve this niche. You know, what do they do? Who do they contact? Uh, you can go from two, they can go from two angles. They can uh, actually go to Department of Social Services. Um, anyone in the uh, Division of Family Services, which is, is in the Health and Human Services um, arena, um, of this social service agency or locally they can contact or Google independent living providers and collaborate and partner with them because if there are IL, we call them IL providers, which is independent living providers. If there are any in their local area, I guarantee you there are times where they don't have housing for the youth that they are servicing. And so they need the housing piece. They need that piece. And all you have to do is just make contact with them. Let them know that you are in that area and that you are ready to service. Okay. So you get, you get referrals from like the, uh, the kids would go to those facilities and there's not housing available, but instead of just turning them away, they refer them to somebody like yourself. Absolutely. And then the school system as well. Yeah. And I would even, uh, I would even follow the, like the marketing advice in the gold course that kind of cast a wide net. I mean, a lot of the kids probably end up in like homeless shelters and, you know, rehabs, things like that. Um, So you don't, that's, but you, you, would you say the majority of your referrals and your tenants come from those two sources? Uh, The majority of my referrals come from other independent living providers in the community and then I am contracted with the state. Okay. So they provide the uh, referrals as well. Very cool. And uh, 
what type of what type of services do you do you provide at, at the home? Out of alongside the housing that we provide for them, we provide case management that assists them with if they come to us and they have not graduated high school, we assist them and prepare them to go back to school, whether it's the traditional high school way or if it's online or if it's through a GED program, we encourage that to them, for them to complete and get their high school diploma. If they've graduated from high school, we assist them in either getting uh, into a college or a college preparatory or a um, some type of post-secondary type of training for them or we assist them with workforce development. And so and we do long, that. Um, how long is the typical stay? The typical stay, if they come in from 18, we've had some that have stayed to their 21. We have some that come and then some that go and then they come back. But the majority of the time, the longest length of time we've had is about two and a half years. Okay. What would you say is the success rate? Our success rate is at 89 to 90% right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, we, but you know, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because of the fact when we provide our transitional housing, we are on the inside with them. So it's not just set up where they're living by themselves and they have no mentor, no nothing for them. I have a staff that's that comes in and gives them that one-on-one every day. And so we're there every single day with two homes. We we we're we're at one home on a particular day and we're at the other one on the other days. And so we give them that one-on-one. We give them that one-on-one case management. We give them that one-on-one mentorship. We give them that hands-on. And so we are there for them. Now, I understand everybody cannot do that, but that's what we, that's what make the difference in my program. And you're, um, you have a separate case management entity that, that provides that as well, correct? No, sir. Everything is in-house for them. Okay. But it's, it's your, then did you say? Yes, it is class? my entity. Yes. We do okay. everything in-house for them. Everything is it's pretty much our homes are all inclusive. If that's the term we can use for that. Okay. <laughs> and, um, is that something that if, if someone out there, you know, they were just beginning and they wanted to start with providing housing, uh, it's case management and that, that, that is something that could be outsourced, right? Yes, it can be outsourced. Um, but I, when I go and teach others how to open up their own, I also teach them how to do the case management in-house as well. Okay. Yeah. So that's, it's something if, if you did want to be really hands-on and, and you, you work with the, with the kids directly then, I'm guessing, right? Yes, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Now the, th- the things that we do outsource is the uh, mental health piece. We do outsource that part, the mental health. Um, If any of them come in with behavior problems, we outsource all of that. Um, We provide them with community resources that they can go to. Um, we we, We do like a holistic approach for them so that what we know we can't do in house, we definitely outsource it. 
Awesome. And just one, one more time, say that success rate. Our success rate is 89 to 90%. It's beautiful. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many tenants do you, are you working with now? Right now, I am working with two, three, four, seven tenants. Okay. Um, and where do, so you're, you're providing housing and the case management is your, you said in the beginning, it was more, it was kind of basically just charity. <laughs> uh, but now, <laughs> now you're, uh, I believe you, you probably still do charitable work, but you, you charge for the services now, correct? Yes, absolutely. I started out doing it as charity and as the years have passed, God has blessed where I am able to get paid. So in other words, I am reaping the harvest of the seeds that were sown years ago. Nothing wrong with that. You can't, Nothing at all. <laughs> you, can't, uh, you can't feed other people if your plate is empty. You know? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, and, and, and what I will say also, your heart definitely have to be in this. You have to do it for the right thing. Money is not the object for me. It's those individuals because we're talking our next generation to lead. And so that's a part of my goal is teaching them how to be that leader that they are already just, I want to enhance it and, and have them grow into it. And so money is the second thing for me. Their life is the first thing for me. You know, I, I, uh, when I, I shifted my focus just in, in business and sales to that, like really like a, a couple years ago, it, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's, it's funny how it works, but if you look at money as just a byproduct of, of serving people and helping people, it really, you know, the more people you help, the more money you make. But if you are focused on like, just like, uh, like I'll use sales, for example, on just selling a product to everybody and only focusing on the money, mm-hmm. um, it's, it doesn't work. <laughs> you no, know? not um, at all. Not I at all. I never found success until that I, I realized that. So wow. that's a, that's a huge, uh, you kind of, you made, you made that point kind of indirectly, but I really want the listeners out there to, to realize that, um, you know, you, you kind of have to every, and everybody, every successful person that I know have realized that as well. So, um, I don't know anybody that, that doesn't, that's successful and does not have that mindset. So right, absolutely. if you're listening out there and you're looking to do this only for money or even in another business only for money, you, Hey, you might be, uh, you might be the exception, but I doubt it. So <laughs> I would get that mindset. <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so you are, uh, you are, it's, it's no longer strictly a charity. How, uh, how do the tenants pay? You know, where, where do the funds typically come from? Well, because we are contracted with the state, the state pays their, um, their living expenses, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the tenant themselves, because as youth agent out of the foster care system, there is a stipend available to them. And so out of that stipend, we do monthly budgeting with them as well. And so out of that, they pay a program fee in which we use that to teach them that there are expenses that got to be paid in life that if you don't pay those, then 
you're going to wind up homeless. You're going to wind up with no, no, um, no gas, no electric, no heat. Um, there are just things that have to be paid so that you can live accordingly. And so we use their budget to teach them that. So they do pay for their own living private expenses, which we call the program fee, so that we can ensure that the program continues even when they leave. Um, they do pay for their electric, their water, their gas bill. They pay all of these out of their stipend or and or their um, employment check so that they can understand once they leave us, they have an understanding that these things have to be paid regardless. So you kind of get them in the, get, get them in the habit and prepare them for when they do, you know, leave, leave your. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and what you said you, so the majority of the funds do come from the state and you're contracted with the state, you know, do you mind breaking down? You don't have to, you know, tell me the exact forms and everything like that. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of them, but do you mind uh, just kind of touching on what, what was the process like to get contracted with the state? Oh my gosh. Well, there's a story behind that. Okay. Um, I wind up having, now mind you, I've, I was, I'm an ex-military wife, so I hadn't worked a secular job from 1999 to 2012 because God took care of me. In the midst of that was where I was doing the charity work for the foster youth. And so me having to go back into the workforce in 2012, I went to, um, I went into the financial industry and going into the financial industry, I ranked quickly in it. Um, but there was another level that I wanted to go to and I wound up being blackballed from that level. And I started understanding what God was trying to tell me or what he was telling me. And I just wasn't listening. It's time for me to come back out of the workforce. And that was my request to him. I'm ready to go back full-time ministry to do what I love to do. And that's helping people in the community, inclusive of the young adults in assisting them. And so in 2014, God spoke to me and told me, get, the, get my business back in order, get registered, get everything, my, find, my foundation back in order and register on that particular state's procurement website. I did that. In 2015, I got the call and I'm sorry, let me back up. In December, November, December of 2014, there was a RFP, which is called a request for proposal that was put out for the state to provide transitional housing to the young adults aging out of the foster care system. And I submitted my proposal. So there is a process in that you have to submit a proposal. And this was state level. I submitted the proposal in December. In February, I received a response back that I had won part of the contract. I was truly excited about that. And so that's what started me once again, going back into that realm of doing what I loved to do. And that was helping these youth. And so from that point, um, I gave where I was working at the time. I gave them, I didn't give them two weeks notice. I gave them 30 day notice. Mm-hmm. I am leaving on this date. This is what's going to happen. 
So now they want to offer me, you know, the position that I really wanted from them. Now, at this time, I said, I can't do it. I can't do it because my passion has awakened again. I'm, I'm gung-ho at this now. I'm done with this financial industry. And so God bless those doors open that way. And I started back providing the transitional housing, the case management and support services to these young adults whom I love so much in June of 2015. And I have never looked back since. Beautiful. <laughs> and I would say, uh, you know, I would, you, it was like one last little test. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. You, got, you kind of skimmed past it, but you, you, they had offered you the job that you were trying to get that you thought you wanted uh, when you were ready to quit. And you're, right. you recognized that probably and like, nope. <laughs> nope, I can't do it. I have got to move on. My passion was calling me. And no, no regrets there, I'm guessing. No, right? no, sir. None at all. None at all. <laughs> and it actually opened up doors where... I have so many people wanting to start their own transitional facilities and they don't know how. And that's what God led me to develop a masterclass course so that I can teach them. But I, and I've had several people to take the masterclass course, but now I'm just going to actually in person go and start teaching so that they can get me hands-on, they can get everything that they need hands-on right then and there, and they can start within 30 to 60 days. Beautiful. So that's, uh, so ours is more like, it's a, it's a digital, you know, portal where you move through it at, at your own pace, but what you right. offer uh, in kind of in person and taking people through, I mean, to work with the state, you, you kind of touched on it, but there's proposals, there's a ton of paperwork. Uh, yes. You help. There's accountability. Yeah. Definitely there's accountability. There's a financial accountability. Um, they come in and they do audits to make sure, not auditing as far as the pay that you receive contracting with them. They audit the piece that, because of, as I stated earlier, the youth are um, entitled, well, I don't want to say entitled. They have a stipend that is given to them on a need basis. And so when we request that stipend for them through because of their budget, that's the piece that gets the auditing of the organization. So I wanted, you know, those that are starting and thinking about contracting with the state, I don't want them to think that their entire books is open to the state. That's not how they operate. It's just if you're receiving money on behalf of the youth, because of that particular stipend, they will audit that part to make sure that the youth is getting their money. Cool. And you, you kind of, you, you walk your students kind of through all those processes with your, yes. with your, yes. Course. Very cool. So we will, after, after the interview, we'll, we'll talk a little, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that and we can include, uh, we can include the information in, uh, kind of the, like the little write-up section on the podcast. So we make it nice okay. for people to find that. Um, awesome. And that, that is, that's one of the reasons I was excited to have you on because this is a very, you, you do a very specific niche uh, kind of program. And I know yeah. a lot of people out there 
if they haven't been taking notes, I suggest you rewind it and take the notes. But <laughs> touch on you know uh, who who you need to contact if you do want to get referrals. Um, so you kind of broken down the process of of working with the state, and we will include some information on how you can get you know all of the details from Vanessa, because I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of inquiries about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, um, with the target population being the youth aging out of the foster care system, I think that's, that's one of the number one. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There are others that are home. We have the, you know, the veterans out there. We have those that are coming out of prison. The model that group home riches has definitely you can open up any one of them. And, and even, you know, the model that I have, you can still open up as, as those being your target populations. But my passion is with 18 to 21 year olds. And that's, that's where I started. That's where I have been. And we are opening, believe it or not, 2020, we're opening up um, transitional housing for uh, domestic violence uh, survivors as well. I don't call them victims. I call them survivors. Nice. Um, we're opening that up as well. And so we're looking to launch out. We're looking to branch out. And that's what we're doing in 2020. Okay. So 2020, you're, you're branching out. Um, and it's, you probably, probably wanted to work with, uh, like your, your consultation business as well. Correct. To help. Yes. There's a need out there, folks. It's, it's huge. Uh, big, big demand. Uh, not many people are doing it. And within that, not many people are doing it, you know, like, like Vanessa providing the service and, and, and things like that. And, um, you know, just the amount of care and attention you can kind of probably get that Vanessa provides at her. Yes. One <laughs> um, one of my goals, Brandon, for my overall organization is change the trajectory of how people do transitional housing and or group homes. It it has to change in order for those individuals that come into those homes to change. You gotta have a whole different perspective on life. Exactly. Yeah, if you do if you do like a, a news search about group homes. Mm-hmm. All, all you hear is nightmare stories. <laughs> like, That's it. That's it. And I, look, I'm done with the nightmare stories. Where are the success stories? And there's so many out there. And that's what I want to push forth. I want to push forth the success stories of those that are doing the work and doing it the way that it, it makes an impact in their community. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, one of our recent guests, uh, Jamie, he he actually got some local some local press for what he was doing and, and mm-hmm. for uh, veterans in his hometown. Have right. you, I mean, uh, you have a great story. Have you ever gotten any press about it or write ups or anything like that? I haven't done it, and I'm I'm strategic about why I haven't done it yet. That's my 2020 plan okay. is to get the press and everything. I I I want the foundation set. I want the statistics there. I want everything there so that when I go to press, I'm going there full force. I'm going there fully loaded, so to speak, because I know that once the, the, the press gets, gets a hold of it and it gets out there, 
my phone is going to be ringing off the hook and my doors are going to be banged on. So, and I'm going to exactly. And so <laughs> that's why I'm building this, this other part of the platform because I thank God he sent me an investor. So I have an investor that helps me on my end with the homes as well. So I'm, I'm truly thankful to God for all of it. So it's strategic in why I have it. And I told individuals, if you found me, you were God sent mm-hmm. because I have not advertised. I actually just put my website up this, this, this year. I never advertised. Yeah. So was, in all the youth and we, we, we service so many people, it had to be God sent for them to be there. Man. Once, once you get the, uh, once you get the, the press and do start advertising, uh, that's, you know, the, yes. the investor noticed the same thing. So yes. <laughs> you, you bring up, you bring up a great point of, and we've, we've done a couple interviews with, with people like this as well. There are, there's a lot of in, investors out there um, that may want to kind of put their money to work in this, in this space. We have people, you know, reach out to us. They, they don't necessarily, they don't want to be working in the business, like somebody right. like Vanessa, right. but if you can kind of, if you can educate uh, inv- real estate investors, investors, you know, financial investors out there about this, about the need, and there, there is a huge financial upside. So if you can kind of, if you've, you did, you probably did this on your end, uh, but if you can educate an investor and kind of um, convey the confidence that you are the type of person that's that's going to run a successful business like Vanessa does. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a no brainer for investors. So was that somebody uh, like in your network or did you pitch the idea to him? How how did that work out? Believe it or not, I, I have a realtor that works with me. And when I wanted to reopen up back in the state of Delaware, that's, he was my realtor. He was my go-to. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I had been through several realtors, but it was something about this particular realtor, amazing man of God, amazing. And as he was looking at the different homes and, you know, he would ask me, what, what is my future look like? What does my future look like with A, B, and C? And as I expressed to him, I wasn't ready to own yet, but that is a future for me right now. I just want to rent so I can, you know, get into getting the knowledge that I need before I strategically branch out into purchasing. And so as I continue to talk and I share my story and, you know, what I want to do in the community, he calls me one day and says, Vanessa, I have an investor for you. He had been talking to investors about me and that's how I got connected. And so one of my investors they actually purchased the property and I rent from them. So I'm in a position that when I'm ready to purchase, I can go directly to them and purchase with possibility of owner financing instead of just going to the bank to purchase. Beautiful. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the things, uh we get, we get a lot of, we get a lot of emails of, of folks like that just, you know, a landlord won't, landlords won't work with me, blah, blah, blah. It's, and again, just walking proof. So 
You you do not need a license. No. You do not need a big building. No, sir. You do not need to own a, a property. No, sir. <laughs> you uh, even though Vanessa does this, you do not need. You know, you don't need to employ like staff or nurses on hand. No, you don't. No, sir. No, <laughs> sir. So you could you. Uh, just kind of Vanessa has a separate entity that, that provides case management. But if someone wanted to get started by just providing housing, you could outsource that, uh, that service to somebody like Vanessa. Um, Absolutely. So this, uh, this is one that that the folks out there, you definitely are going to want to rewind, listen to it again, take notes. If you haven't, (laughs) um, (laughs) In, in closing, do you have any any parting any parting words for for the folks out there? I would say, as I said earlier, if you're going to get into this business, do it for the life of the target population that you want to serve. The money will come. I guarantee you. Just take it from me. I started out doing it as charity for many years, and I stopped. And then when it was time for me to go back, I began to see the harvest of what I had done years ago. And so know that when you get into transitional housing or group home and or group homes, that it has to be, you have to have a passion there. Let it be passionate. And many blessings to all of them that starts from this day forward. Beautiful. <laughs> and you have your, uh, you have your consulting business where it's, you know, personal kind of one-on-one where you can walk people through the process if they did want to kind of set up a business similar to yours. Um, yes. and you also do, we didn't really touch on it, but you mentioned you do, you do grant writing as well, correct? Yes, I do grant writing as well from the nonprofit piece. There is, countless amounts of money out there for transitional housing group homes in that area, federal and state level. You have corporations and foundations that give as well. And so from the nonprofit side of my organization, we do write the grants um, to assist in sustaining the um, organization. Now, it's not 100% sustained by grants, because we have donors and all of them that give into the organization, but we do use the grant funds within the programs to help sustain. Awesome. So if people wanted more information on any, any of those services, where, where can they find you? You can find me. Our website is www.dunamis.com. H-O-D-I dot org. So that's Dunamis and it's short for Homes of Divine Intervention dot org. Or they can contact me at area code 302-470-0468. Or they can contact me via email at V as in Vanessa, J as in Johnson, Brinkley, B-R-I-N-K-L-E-Y at dunamishodi.org. Awesome. And we will, I'll get those links from you uh, shortly and, and we'll, we'll put that in the little write-up below so people, okay. nice, nice and easy for, for folks. Um, awesome. 
this was this was huge. Uh, people are going to get a ton of value from this because you touch on a lot of things that we get a lot of inquiries about, and uh, you know, it's just not how uh, Andy has his business structured or how we do it. So it, it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad I'm glad I found you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I found you guys, and looking forward to one day chatting with Andy as well because he is doing an amazing job as well. Yeah, we, we definitely need to do a, a part two in, in 2020 to hear how, how the new home, how, how the new home is going. Yes, definitely <laughs> will. Definitely will. All right. Well, stay, stay on for uh, just a, a few minutes, but we're going to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, thank you okay. so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the, the people are going to love it out there. Thank you for having me, Brandon. All right.